0: Hi, welcome to this week's Fighting Words. Donovan here. Thanks for tuning in. I have a beautiful guest today. <laughs> yes, you're beautiful. Thank you. On the inside, Nick. Camacho, how's it going, Nicholas? What's your middle name? Adam. 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 Mm-hmm. Nice. Is that because of Bible stuff?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I have to ask my mom. I know that she named me Nicholas because it's Nico Las. Nico. Vi- victory, like Nico Nike. Victory. Oh. And then Olas is of the people. Nicolás, victory of the people. She
0: is that what Nicholas means? Like, yep. oh, interesting. Olas. I wanted to name my kid, Nico. I just thought it'd be fun to be like, yo, Nico, get in the car. But that was like the only reason. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, that'll be fun twice. Yeah. And then I wanted to name him, uh, I liked the name Luciano. Um, Luciano. Cause I knew Italian guys growing up and uh, one of them was named Luciano and his nickname was Chano. And I thought that was really cool. Nice. Um, but what I found was that a lot of Americans can't say Luciano, they say Luciano. They mm-hmm. slow it down. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. not right.
1: Yep. We have, uh, Brooke and I have one baby on the way, and we've had that conversation a few times. I I really like a name um, because of how my parents say it, how my grandparents say it, with, you know, an authentic Hispanic Latin accent. But then she brings me back down to earth when she says, I'm like, yeah, no, can't do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. You got to find one. So we think Augie works for both. Augustine, Augustine. Mm-hmm. Augie, you know, it works both ways. but Not Augustine? We go with the Augustine. Mm-hmm. Um. So, who knows what's right I like the sound of Augustine mm-hmm. um, Yeah, so you are You have a couple kids You've got a handful of kids mm-hmm. And you got another one on the way and You've been yep. discussing names That's right That's right Yeah, you got to pick the right one
1: I know Yeah, and this one is uh, We So this is We have a, a girl Six-year-old girl um, And two boys currently And one boy on the way and so for the boys, we're like, look, this is going to be their name. And so it has to you know, match the last name and be really nice. So it's a, it's a big deal.
0: Yep. So you were disclosing to me. Can I talk about names you've liked? Oh. Sure. So you mentioned that you guys kind of like the name Ignatius, mm-hmm. which is Latin. Um, my dad's name is Ignacio, the, the Spanish version of that. Mm-hmm. And so his nickname is Nacho. So you would be, your kid would be Nacho Camacho. Yeah. Yeah, so that'd be hot.
1: Yep. My brothers and I got called that enough growing up, so even if we don't name him, uh, name going to happen. He's going to be called Macho Camacho, Something Macho like Man, that. Nacho Camacho, all of the above.
0: So my dad, he grew up, his family, and his family, he was Nacho. This is actually his middle name. His name is Jose Ignacio, so Nacho is his middle name, mm. middle nickname. And his family called him that. My mom called him that. When my parents separated, he became Jose, well, I think it was more like when he got at work, he was Jose. He was always Jose, and I just never knew that side of him. But then when he remarried, that to my stepmom Toy, it's her name. She called him Jose, so that was a whole new thing for us. And anyway, my sister, her name is Anita Anita Montserrat It's her middle name, so she went by Monse in our home growing up. But it's one of those things that nobody could say. People say Monse. It's hard for Americans to do the Monse. The hard on the on mm-hmm. the end so she was Monsley or Monsa and she <laughs> hey Monsa <monceau." laughs> Mensa <laughs> so anyway so there's that so I wanted so Nick Camacho mm-hmm. is uh he's uh, here for several reasons when we were hanging out the other day and I thought hey let's continue some of this on the podcast and uh he's a, a member at Cedar Rapids campus how long have you been here
1: we've been here since August 15th 2016.
0: Wow, it's details. Wow. 2016. Mm-hmm. That, here at Redeemer or in Iowa?
1: The In, in Iowa.
0: That's the date you moved here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. And uh, you've been down in the Iowa City area because you attend. Yep. You're working on your PhD in math there. So we're going to talk about that. Okay. I think that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to talk about. Uh, the university systems and whatever else is on your mind but I also just want to talk about you being cuban
1: <laughs> I just want to call that out yeah
0: you know you know some people are like I I have a fascination with race you know I grew up very in a very diverse mm-hmm. uh, background and you know it's it's not uh, you know like microaggressions like where are you from like I don't know where I grew up that's not an aggression like people mm-hmm. want to talk about where they're from really, <laughs> you know right. like right. I don't know what happened to people but so you're cuban
1: of cuban descent right Yep. So my dad was born in Cuba, and he uh, he moved he moved to the states, him and all his family, when he was five. That was in 1968. Um, and there's a whole story behind that. But yeah, I um, just like you. I think I so I was raised obviously in a Latin household. My mom forgot to mention she her mom is from Mexico, born and raised in Mexico, and her dad uh, is from Puerto Rico.
0: So like mm, you got it all in there. Yeah. Those people all hate each other. <laughs> You got, that's all that inner conflict you got going on. That's yeah, what yeah. it is.
1: Yeah, they, they joke with each other, you know, like, uh, they say, yeah, my, my kids are Mexican. Or, no, 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 my kids are Cuban. And whichever whichever suits their needs for the for the conversation, they'll uh, yeah. take that.
0: But that's I don't know if people are aware of that, you know, like within, I mean, people are just racist and mm-hmm. discriminatory everywhere. Within Latin America, they oh, discriminate yeah. against one another. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Puerto Ricans make fun of Mexicans. And, the, you know, everybody's got Absolutely. this pecking order of who sucks and why and, mm-hmm. So, which is why they all suck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I was raised in a uh, Latin household, um, with everything that, com- that comes with that, with the music, with the food. Um, very stereotypical, but that, I mean, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I, I remember go- growing up going to parties, uh, family parties down in Miami in particular, where all my Cuban family is, and it would just be tons of rice, yeah. chicken, beans, great food, and just tons and tons of dancing. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I, Well, for my elementary and middle school years, we were in a, I don't know if you could classify it as a black neighborhood, um, but it was, I mean, all the neighborhood kids I played with were black and I played football. Like American black? Yes. Okay. Yes. And yeah, good good distinction. And so uh, I played football throughout, you know, all through grade school. And in the time we were at, when I was in elementary school and middle school, I was the only non-black individual on my team and... On all the teams that we played. Wow. So that's that. So uh, that's where I grew up in elementary school, middle school, in a Latin household. But I went to school, elementary school, uh, on the north side of town, so it was predominantly white. Um, so I, we were in South St. Pete, okay, in uh, Florida, and so I had all these different, constantly just these different cultures, different angles, and I didn't really think about that mm. until, say, it just was normal to you. Yeah, that's just what it was. Um now so,
0: you're in Iowa. Yeah. White Iowa. Yeah. Oh, Iowaite. Mhm. Yeah. So, do you think that has made you culturally flexible?
1: I would like to say so. Um I I mean, so even in college, I was on a So to answer your question directly, I I would like to say so, yes. Um but just in practical ways where I think that's worked out is I was totally comfortable, for example, in college being on a uh, step team and it was, it was, we were called the disciples of Christ mm. and uh, it was all block.
0: Tell us people what a step team is. Some people don't know what that is.
1: Yep. So it is, cause we're in Iowa. Well, for, for, for us, it was a way to minister, to evangelize, to do performances for church groups, for uh, the community, whatever, whatever it may have been. But it's a series of, I mean, your performance is stepping, clapping hitting your body, mm-hmm. you know, doing different things, whatever it is, uh, to make beats, to make cool dance moves, and it's all in sync. Mm. Um, Would it, you
0: do a uh, an interpretive performance for Redeemer to the glory of God?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not.
0: You make absolutely disciples not. that way.
1: So it was. So so uh, in that situation, I was, uh, again, and, I, and thinking back, I didn't think about this at the time. Even though it was in college, I was the only non-black person on the team, and the team had a men's team and a, and a women's team there was probably 20 to 30, mm-hmm. maybe that's a little bit, maybe 15, 20. But anyways, and it just didn't like dawn on me that, hey, everyone looks different than me. Um, I mean, if you would have asked me like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're black. And but but, but you like, had grown it, it up and it that. It's just not a yeah. exactly it just wasn't a thing for me. So I'm, I'm just bringing that up as an example to answer your question that, yeah, I I think it's made me flexible. I think it's made me um, not think too much about it. Yeah. Um, in that way. Yep.
0: So, are you a communist? <laughs> no. Are you a capitalist? You didn't know I was going there. Who did you vote for? <laughs> and why? Uh, I will not say. You voting for Biden? It,
1: it, it, well, who am I voting for? Well, who did you vote for? Uh, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> I mean, you're free to say. Here,
1: here, here's the thing. Whatever I say, it'll I'm going to upset half the people who are listening. No. You don't think so?
0: not half <laughs> no i would bet our audience is majorly conservative yeah republicanish yeah, yeah. majorly yeah yeah so not 100 percent, but yeah yeah so you're only gonna upset 20 percent, maybe but those are particularly violent people mm. you don't want to you don't want to mess right, with right, them
1: right yeah no so you say am i capitalist i i don't know uh i think that i mean i was raised in i w- went to public school and I just remember all the great things that I learned about capitalism. So I'm, I'm. Sounds inclined, great. I'm, I'm inclined to say, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've been it's, brainwashed. It's, it seems, it seems fine. Um,
0: it, seems, it seems fine. <laughs> I mean, it, it,
1: it seems, it yeah. seems great. I honestly haven't put too much thought sure. into it, and I'm not really. And we're not going
0: to, there. That's not our you know, our area. Um, but I was, you know, obviously playing off the Cuba thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh uh-huh. So my uh, uh, grandfather was a. A communist sympathizer so this is back in the 50s cold war stuff and he was a communist and he was a professor and he would teach that stuff and what from what i understand there was pressure on him he wasn't able to teach what he wanted he left moved to mexico mm. my mom followed him down there like her family and that's where my mom ended up meeting my dad and where gotcha. i came from so there's like this where
1: would you say he was originally from
0: grandpa mm-hmm. I think they were in Massachusetts oh. Amer- American white, mm-hmm. you know, my mom's white, but she's culturally Mexican. She mm-hmm. grew up in Mexico. That's how they ended up down there. And then she met my dad, Nacho, and they ended up moving up here. So
1: gotcha. anyway,
0: so it's because of communism that I sit before you today. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: right. Yeah. How'd your dad get out of Cuba?
1: Yeah. Great question. I. Uh... What's your dad's name? Carlos. 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 Mm-hmm. Carlos Camacho. Yes. Uh, it's funny. My mom is the one who told me recently about the story of the Camacho. I'm sorry. Came uh, from, oh, wait,
0: wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, how they came from the Camachos, mm-hmm. my dad's side, mm-hmm. came from Cuba to yep. Miami. And uh, basically, I don't want to go back too far, but my dad's dad's parents, um, so my great-grandparents from Spain, and they're really wealthy. They were really really wealthy. And when they came to Cuba, they bought, um, I don't want to call it a hotel, like a boarding room, basically a hotel, and they made a lot of their money there. I mean, my, my grandpa, my dad's dad, he grew up with maids and servants. I mean, they, they, they had a lot, of, a lot of money in Cuba. And so my grandfather, he also, surprise, surprise, uh, when he became an adult, he was also very wealthy in Cuba but he made his wealth um I don't want to say too wealthy but he owned a couple of I don't want to say sandwich shops um cafeterias it's the cafeteria but it was mm. more like a, a like lunch. a diner yeah like a diner lunch lunch kind of thing go and get a sandwich and a shake or whatever mm. and he owned a couple of those very successful business businesses and my grandma his wife she didn't have to work she stayed home with the kids and oh. yeah
0: what just a, a, a sting of a phrase that I heard on the radio the other day that made me mad about that issue, but it's irrelevant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so she um, so yeah, I mean they had they had a pretty good life uh, in Cuba, and then uh, Castro came into power. and so what ended up happening was he Castro took away my grandfather's businesses from him. Mm. And took control of them, so he lost his business. And he made my grandfather work uh in the sugar cane fields. And so he went from owning multiple businesses to working in, in sugarcane fields. And my grandmother Well,
0: that's his just desserts for all his years of oppression. You know? All making his money off the backs of the laborers. Did he have people working for them? What's that? Did did he have people working for yes. him? Were they as right. rich as him? They were not. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go on.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> 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 you just you are just, just poking. Um, so and my uh, my grandmother, she uh, who had never worked before in her life because she didn't have to, uh, mm. got a job milking cows. Um, that was what she That did.
0: is the vision. Like when people want a revolution, that that's a beautiful vision. What your family experienced as a tragedy, mm-hmm. tragedy, some people view as yeah that's right yeah that's the vision which is why they did it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah you, yep. you didn't have to work now come and know me and my pain and mm-hmm. milk cows
1: yep I my wife and I have been watching this uh, show you, you know Celia Cruz she was a Cuban artist the queen of salsa she's oh. the best I mean she's like the queen of salsa okay. Celia Cruz oh Celia Cruz yeah 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 <laughs> oh yeah it's Celia, been a while no I don't um, know this person <laughs> <laughs> she, anyways, she, so it's a show about her life and uh, she was, she was becoming famous when Castro took power and it's it's showing things like this where the revolution happened. Castro came into power and he just, he took homes and businesses from, from everyone and redistributed them. Mm -hmm. And for example, she had a mansion with, you know, X number of rooms and they said, Hey, we can, uh, we're, we're taking your home from you. To be able to give it to five families that can all live in live in this place, and so uh, that so that was just an example in the show, but but it was I really enjoyed. Well, watching she doesn't that. need a home that can fit five families, dude. That's the problem. Yeah, freaking greed. So 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 that was just uh, I liked seeing that in the sense that uh, I could kind of see a little bit what happened because the story goes this way. So my my as my grandmother tells it, she can't even talk about you know that whole thing without. You know, becoming extremely emotional, obviously, in her time milking milk cows. But what happened was, um, so, uh, revolutionary soldiers came to the house. Uh, he had, they had two homes, so uh, came to their came to their house and said, "You have five minutes to collect all your valuables um, because this is now this your house now belongs to the revolution." Yeah, and so they essentially lost everything. Um, mm,
0: things can change real quick. Mm-hmm. Invincible world.
1: Yep. So, the in, fortunately for us, the story ends. Well, I guess the story's still going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this part of the story ends on a on a, on a high note. My father's aunt, so my great aunt. Uh, there was an American soldier stationed in Guantanamo, and he fell in love with my great aunt. Mm-hmm. And. So they got married and he paid for every Camacho, uh, every person in the Camacho family, he paid for them to get visas to come.
0: You can just buy them? They were for sale? Well, I guess it's corrupt, right? You can buy anything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know the details of how that worked, but it was when my dad was five. So that was, like I said, 1968. As I mentioned earlier, in 1968, he paid for the whole Camacho family to Mm. escape to mm-hmm. Miami. I mean everyone, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody. Yeah. And so that's why they're they're in Miami now. Wow. Um and then my dad and my mom met um there in Miami and Yeah, yeah, yeah. The story goes on from there. But but yeah, um it was it was really difficult uh for my family to to lose everything. Yeah. And what was um it, it, it was tragic, and what ended up happening was in 92, 1992, my parents and my grandparents lost everything again in Hurricane Andrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hurricane Andrew that hit Miami. I mean, Jeez, they lost everything. dude! And, and my grandpa had had started new businesses. He had he had you know. Started- what if
0: it had been named Hurricane Castro? <laughs> Could you imagine that? <laughs> Would it... Yeah. I, I mean, mean yeah. it wasn't, so it wasn't. But man, that would have been just mm-hmm. perfectly tragic. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it was just... I'm like being insensitive to all you. No, no, I mean, yeah, it, it was...
1: Uh, yeah. So oh, they yes. lost everything. They lost everything again. And so I... My my mother likes to tell me... So nine months later, I was born um, after the hurricane hit. And so she, she loves to tell me how... Nothing. <laughs> she loves to tell me how you know I'm a, I'm a result of that um uh but but anyways yeah it was just just hearing about uh all that my grandparents went through with communism it's just hard for me to hear about <clears throat> uh, call it what you want and you know we don't, have, we don't have to get too political here but just hearing a lot of things from uh bernie and the things that he promotes um, some good, some bad, whatever. But specifically, it was really difficult. I don't know if you saw the thing he did with Anderson Cooper.
0: What well, he was praising Castro and Cuba, basically, no.
1: Basically, yeah. And it, without going into too much, it was just really. That was the first time. Yeah. I really just got incredibly angry because it's like, how how are you defending and yeah. standing next to that kind of that kind of person? I mean, people were not in my family's case, but people were murdered, tortured, yeah. and. All that kind of stuff, and it was just like, oh, but they had a great education system; they taught people to read, great literacy program. That's to
0: read communist called. manifestos. Uh, one here's the thing that's tricky about someone like Bernie's. You know, he will say, "Well, I'm I'm talking about democratic socialism, like in Sweden." And it's like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or Denmark. It's like, okay, maybe, but is there actually more you want? Which mm-hmm. is why you sympathize with these guys yeah. and can't just speak out against it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, anyway, uh, yeah, we don't need, I don't want to do politics. I've, I'm going to do that another time with uh, other guests, and we have other goals.
1: Someone more qualified. Y-
0: yeah, maybe, maybe, I don't know, or absolutely. someone more desirous of that conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but either way, here we sit two products of communism. Yes. Yes, that's great. Some in greater ways than others. Um, so you are, you study math, mm-hmm. define math. <laughs>
1: Oh, good question. Can I Google it real quick?
0: No. I love to do this with my kids, just sit at the table and just having to find words like, like simple words that we use all the time, like, like. Mm -hmm. They'll say... I love, you know, it's like this. I'm like, define that mm. or define this or yeah. the, that is a hard one.
1: I love that. And one of, because I'm avoiding the, I'm avoiding yeah. you're giving yourself, because, yourself time to process. Yeah. Because that's one of the things that we are very picky about in math. We need to be very, very picky about our definitions, how we use words. When we use this word in this context, what does it mean exactly?
0: Mm. You're being and, mathematical about language. Yeah. Yeah. And Precise. People,
1: people love to draw lines between uh, linguistics and mm. math, but I don't know. I mean, when when people hear math, they usually think of numbers. And so that's why people, when they hear that I'm getting a PhD in math, they say, oh, can you compute this? Like some, you know, arithmetic. Like your Rain Man? Like I'm a human calculator.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I actually thought about that. I had a couple of equations that I thought, okay, certainly you must be faster than the average person to be able to do math in your head, right? You've exercised that muscle.
1: Simply because it's come up. Yes. But I mean, just the other day, what was it? I did like seven minus nine. And I said it was two. Yeah. And I was like, it's two, right? Like, no, no, no. Like it, it, minus two. So, so just th- so things like that happen. Or one time I said my, I it took me like six seconds, which is a long time in front of in front of my class to do six times eight. I was like, wait, how, what is
0: <laughs> Well, you've moved on so far, <laughs> you know. You are up here doing like alien math, and you're like, wait a minute, that's like what? What yeah, was yeah. that?
1: Yeah. So so math is the we like to pride ourselves on being one of the the, the purest science mm. in the following sense that we don't depend on anything from any other uh don't you subject. depend on language
0: <sighs> shoot I just that's too just, much right you
1: just, don't you depend on on on, on uh, existence on. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of doing our science, we don't depend on chemistry on biology on physics
0: okay. Um, well, obviously, you have to have language, right? That's, right, right to, right, to be able to communicate. But yeah, right. yeah. Whereas, where chemistry is going to use math, mm-hmm. right, right, and biology is going to use math and right. other stuff. Okay, so you're very proud of that. You're pure.
1: Yeah. So, and, so yeah. So, so even I, I do. So, there's two main groups, and uh, one of them is pure math. And one of them is applied math. And okay, so applied math takes the pure math and then applies it to real-world situations. Um, and so I do pure math, which is just math for the sake of math. Here is a mathematical object. Here's another mathematical object. Let's discover how they interact, how they relate, et etc. Et it's just you're solving uh, abstract mathematical problems for the sake of solving them. Sure, they may be applied somewhere down the line in the future. But yeah. But the reason we're doing it and what we're doing is just uh, for the sake of itself, do you have examples of
0: like what are some key examples of how mm-hmm. the the pure math that you're doing did work its way out into culture and economics and
1: oh, absolutely. people
0: having jobs and
1: the big the big one that comes to mind is uh, cryptography, encryption um, okay, the fact that and now I, I this is not my area. I do not know too much about it. But I do know that the security of you know our credit cards comes down to uh, prime numbers and uh arithmetic geometry um which is which is a whole field that tries to make more general the theory of prime numbers anyways um so yeah, so things like that where we Have proven particular facts about numbers, yeah, and we use those facts to make uh, things very secure. Again, not too knowledgeable in that area, but 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 that's one of the ways that it's worked itself out. And then, um, we have to get get into that example. Go ahead.
0: Yep, No, that's good. So it's pretty high level math. You're working on your PhD, Mm -hmm. and you'll be wrapping up here within the next year. Yes. And um, uh. that's right. So who, uh, what are some of the maybe common misconceptions about you as a PhD in maths? Well, the, that you're a rain man, that you can compute things in your right.
1: Um That I am more intelligent than the average person. Okay. I, I genuinely don't believe that's true. Is anyone um, more intelligent? I, I, I think, I've met some, in my personal opinion, like legitimate bona fide geniuses mm. um, who are just able to take an idea first time seeing it and just, just
0: people you've just, met in your
1: program. Yes. where hmm.
0: well, you go, wow, I'm really, yeah,
1: but that's not, that's, <clears throat> that's few and far between. Even the professors that I talk to, they would say the same thing. They're like most of the most, like a large majority. I don't want to put a percentage on it, but like 90%, 99% people. That's, they're just average people who have just chosen to put their efforts into working hard in this one specific right. area. So there's not a level of, um and this is what i try to tell my students because it's part of the program we have to you know teach undergraduate classes is that don't believe that there are just you know people who are good at math and people who aren't and more intelligent less intelligent for the most part anybody who thinks about something for long enough the average individual will know it at the level that a phd student or you know a, a doctor in uh, not a medical doctor, right? But but you know, a doctor in mathematics yeah. does, um, and so I think that's that's one of the biggest ones that people think I am more intelligent. It's like, no, no, no. I've just chosen to, and y- you know, you chose to get a degree or not get a degree sure. and open up a business, and you put your hard work and efforts there. I've just done it in the books, but it's the same work, you know. There is a, a
0: level of focus that. So I I have uh, graduate degrees at the master's level, and I had a sense pretty strongly that I did not. I wasn't cut out for a PhD, not because I lacked the intelligence, but I, from what I understand, it seems to me that I lack the ability to to focus so narrowly for so long. Mm-hmm. Like I like I want to come to a fresh text every mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to think about it. I want to write. I want to write a little bit. I don't like writing and process it, make it applicable, whatever. Hopefully. Stir some hearts, then move on. But to like say, I'm gonna spend three years studying Mm. this meaning of this word, yeah, and trace it out through all the, yeah, you know, relevant texts. And I'm just like, there's a level of focus and minutia or something there that I just, I just like, no, I I can't do that. No,
1: and I agree. I've, I've been working on this this problem, and it's the same. I mean, you can take it different directions and there's different nuances and, and, you know, it it can be fresh within itself when you give up going down one path or, you know, stop going down one path for a while and go down the other path to try to solve the problem. But no, it, it's exactly what what you described as like, I'm just dealing with this very specific case of this very specific problem. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm ready for something new. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: The only problem I want to have that kind of prolonged focus on is my wife's sin. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? That's right. about. I don't have time for other stuff. I'm getting a PhD in her sin. Right, right. You know, so I've got a,
1: I've got a couple of those from my wife's sin already. A couple so, of what? A couple of PhDs? That's right. A couple, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um,
0: let's. We have to get Christian with this podcast. Well, you did. We did talk about discipleship through step.
1: Uh, I and mean, talked about communism. So,
0: mm. <laughs> Jesus was a communist. <laughs> By the way, Jesus was not a communist. I'm sure most of you know that, but um, Jesus never advocated for the government to come and take control of everyone's property and distribute it, all right? Right. Now, whether or not Jesus thought we should be more generous and distribute stuff more freely, that's a different issue, but Mm -hmm. this is not communism. Um, Have you pondered much math and God?
1: Uh, Not as much as I'd like to. But yes, I think one, I, I see myself as learning, you know, big lessons th- from math along the way about how to think about God, how to think about the universe, you know, how to think about reality. And one of the things, so, you know, first day in graduate school, in one of the main classes that anybody who does advanced math is going to take, we talk about our axioms. We talk about, okay, we are going. So an axiom is just something you take to be true. It's just self-evident. So we, we all agree. Exactly. We all agree that this is a fact. No one's going to have to prove it. No one's going to question it. We we just all agree collectively that this is true. And some of those might like one of them. And I can pull up a textbook here. But but one of them is, for example, that there is there are such a thing as numbers. That we say some of them are positive, and we understand what that means. And some of them are negative, and we use we use these symbols to represent them. And um, there's one number that's not, that's neither positive nor negative, And that's this, you know, so, so there are just these, 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 uh, these axioms that we take with numbers and, you know, you can go on and on from there because at some point, um, because what we do, when we make a formal mathematical proof is we ask, okay, why is that true? Well, here are the steps. Okay. Well, why is that true? And you could just keep going down forever. Why, why, why?
0: Mm-hmm. You got to start a- somewhere.
1: Exactly. The axioms. Okay. We're going to start here. We're not going to go back any further. We're just going to agree to this. And so something like that makes me think, Okay why do you get to say like who who gave us these axioms who gave us these self-evident truths whether in math or somewhere else and it just honestly for me it just increases I, i've never personally been one to question god's existence that hasn't been one of my struggles um but it at the same time though it did really when i when i started to really think about that it really strengthened my confidence that you know god you, you, you th- there has to be something underneath all of this that is There has to be the axiom, the the capital A axiom. Exactly. There has to be something behind all this and, and, and whether mathematical truth, even two plus two equals four, that truth is an, it is an expression of who God is. Like all of creation is God, like he is doing things for his glory and we can see God in the creation and not just in the material creation, but in logic, in rational thought, in in laws of logic, we you know we can't contradict ourselves. We need to be consistent here. We need to have axioms, and so all these properties that we take for granted, even in the purest of the pure of sciences and math, um, it just it's re- it's God revealing Himself through logic, through through math, and and I I just love it. Yeah, I found this quote. There's
0: um, two of them. Oh, where'd it go? Oh, here we go. Geometry, so this is a part of math, is one and eternal, shining in the mind of God. That men share in it is among the reasons that man is the image of God. So there's another one. Mathematic this is mm. Mathematics is the is language. Like Who said it? Let me see. Mathematic is math, Mathematics is the language in which the gods speak to people. So that sounds a little pagan for my taste. <clears throat> Johannes Kepler?
1: Mm, yeah, Kepler's Law, right?
0: Mathematician and astronomer.
1: Mm.
0: So, yeah, yeah. So, that's what, in one sense, you're describing the logos, the reason, the wisdom, and the coherence of reality. Right. That even the Greeks, you know, other philosophers have thought, oh, there's a, there's a coherence. What is this logos? And, you know, John proclaims that logos, that word is, is Jesus. That right. logos became flesh and dwelt right. among us. Is this coherence to reality mm-hmm. that, that makes sense. Um, have you—if there's anything you want to chime in with, go ahead, but I'm just going to keep asking you questions. Yeah. In light of that, um, you know, you, were, you work in the STEM field, really, mathematics, right, You the sciences— um, what do you make of this idea that there seems to be this, uh, polarization between God and science?
1: I, I think it's completely ridiculous. Um, I think that you can't have science without God. You, you, ju- you just can't. What provides a framework for the scientific method, for example? H- how, do, how do you know that it's going to work? One of, the, one of the biggest ways I've heard argued is the principle of induction, have you heard of? this Mm-mm. it's how do you know the future is going to be like the present how do you know that in the next five seconds you won't float up and float up out of your seat into the into the sky how, how do you know
0: can i can i play devil's advocate against mm-hmm. that i don't know but i'm just working on history and it seems until i'm proven otherwise i'm going to work on that assumption like i don't need right. god mm-hmm.
1: so so, I so, mean, so so basically the the the, the past informs the, the present and the future, you're, you're
0: confident. I'm assuming, and yeah, right. So, so you have any reason to do anything else?
1: Right. You just have confidence that this is going to, going to keep going as it is because of what history is, has done. Sure. Yeah. So you are, are I, 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 would, I would. I mean, I would say how? Again, where? Well, because the laws that's, of that's, nature are fixed. That's that's. Re, how do you know? Who told you that?
0: I haven't observed any other.
1: I haven't so, observed so, any change. So you're going based on your, you're your using faith.
0: I'm using my, ob, my observations of the past. That's faith. Well, sh- okay. Yeah. I have faith in the laws of nature.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I, no, I mean, it would, it, I would still, it's, you're exhibiting faith in something. So you, so I hear what you're making more of an argument. Together.
0: You're making more of an argument for the necessity of faith and the necessity of axioms.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, why, what gives you that confidence? What gives you that faith? Who tells you that it's all going to hold together? Who tells you that tomorrow's going to be like today? And so you can't, so the principle of induction says the, we believe, we hold as an, as an axiomatic truth that the future will be like the present. And so that, you know, one of the things that we learned in middle school, elementary school, with the scientific method is that you should be able to reproduce the same results. If you two perform, plus two is always two. Yeah, if you, if you perform an experiment... You should be able to, you know, give, given the same circumstances, the same experiment, the same procedures, you should be able to reproduce the same results. That's one of the things we'd like to see some consistency. And the fact that you can bank on that, depend on that, is you're using this principle of induction that the future will be like the okay, past, right. like the present. And that requires faith that yes. the laws of nature, that yeah. the laws of the universe are going to hold together. <clears throat> right and it it just begs the question of who why? or yeah. what is holding that together how why can you have confidence there by the way fun fact confidence confide with faith with faith mm, so interesting you, when you have confidence something you're 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 agreeing with it with faith
0: yeah yeah so i think uh yeah this is where the axioms thing comes into play like i hear the argument the argument you're making is more that that I'm acting in faith, but I could see the the argument for, yeah, but I just have faith that existence is existence, therefore, but that that doesn't that doesn't necessitate uh an ex- a transcendent creating God in in my mind. I think there's other arguments for it um or other see for me, when I look at the coherence of the universe, mm. that to me has now become self evident that it ma- makes itself evidence that there is a God. Mm-hmm. But that's an axiom. Like, I can't actually argue that someone into that. And then they go, mm-hmm. well, it's kind of like God says that the, the heavens declare the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Where? where well, the trees, the stars, math, mm-hmm. all these things. But some people look at it and go, I don't see it. Now, we know they're suppressing the truth, right? um But I went from when I was an unbeliever, I didn't. See God everywhere it didn't make sense it wasn't self evident, but what happened was when I became a Christian, my axioms changed myself mm-hmm. what I believed to be self evident changed and now it's obvious I'm like, of course mm-hmm. the coherence of math means there's a there's a mind right right the existence of language means right. there's a speaker, mm-hmm. the existence of morality means there's a moral lawgiver like mm-hmm. um
1: but yeah, 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 and for anyone who's uh, have you heard of Vern poithrus or mm-hmm. P- P- Pythrus? Um, he's a reformed guy. He 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 uh, got a PhD in math. He wrote this. He's he wrote many books on redeeming the sciences, but redeeming mathematics in particular. And he argues that um, just as you said, the fact that use the example two plus two equals four, it has it's true universally. It's omnipresent in that way. Mm. You know, um, it's uh, it's it's an eternal truth. No matter where you go, it it's true. And it's, it's an immaterial and invisible, like number, a number is not a object. It's not, matter to it. It's it's an idea. It's abstract. And so it's immaterial and invisible, but it is known through its manifestations. Like I have two apples and I have another two apples. Well, that's four apples. That's That's manifesting the truth that two plus two is four. And so mathematical. So God is math. (laughs) You don't go too far with it, but that, (laughs) but that. The mm. creation reveal has in it, as we're saying, divine attributes. It's 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 manifesting, you know. Like you said, we speak, and so we have to know that there is a capital S speaker. There's someone behind the language, um, and so when we see truths, mathematical truths in particular, having similar or the same attributes of God, there has to be someone behind it giving that. I, I, I think.
0: Okay, I like that. Um. Have you? So, in the universities, there's. A, I'm speaking generally here, but I think it's fair to say in secular universities there's mm-hmm. a spirit of hostility toward God and Christianity, not among I've the. Never <laughs> seen that
1: before in my life.
0: But I'm imagine that's not as high. Like in the, it depends on what you're, what field you're in. Mm-hmm. Does it come up in the math department, or people? It's just you're just doing other stuff. You have, have you experienced a spirit of hostility toward?
1: No, no I haven't. Um. In the math department, I have taken classes in education. Mm. Um, the, just speaking from experience, in the science—I shouldn't say sciences—in the areas that are more subjective, yeah, and that are more that can be more, you know, opinionated. There's a, there's a lot more hostility, um, and so in some sense, because math is just fact black black and white ink on paper. Like it's just...
0: It's kind of irrelevant whether or not you believe in God. Paper. We're just solving this problem. Correct. Yeah.
1: But when we start talking about ethics or the best way to do this or the best for economics, yeah. I, I've I've uh, seen some of that. I've taken some classes, like I said, in education. And what's the best way to, you know, teach college level classes and what are our assumptions going in and et cetera, et cetera. How, how can we create safe spaces and all this stuff that, that I've, I see a lot more pushback there just in my experience. But yeah, no, it doesn't really come up and math.
0: what about your um yeah your presence there at the university as a as a christian like to what extent how would you rate your missional presence
1: hmm what do you mean
0: so we're all missionaries sent into the right into the workplace and wherever we go and you know we sometimes we do better than others mm-hmm. as you reflect you you know you're, on, you're in your last year you spent how long here now this you is
1: the 16? end
0: of my fourth school year now. Yeah, so pushing four years. Um, how would you rate your missional presence there? Like, do you feel like you've been a, you know, a, a witness for Jesus? Do you wish things would would have been different? Are there some mm-hmm. wins? Are there times that where you felt like, man, I should have said something? Or do you even have opportunities like, yeah, let's just yeah. camp there for a little while?
1: Yeah, I have. Um when the, I mean, just as you, you just mentioned the conversation about God is just, it's not really relevant um, to a lot of people. And so the conversation just doesn't come up naturally. If it does, it's because we're talking about politics in the break room or or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I have had opportunities. I've really biffed it at times and other times I I think done a lot better. Um, But I think that it is. It's something that I've definitely been made to feel like an outcast with, um, in the sense of like, oh, wait, are, aren't you, aren't you getting your PhD in, in math? Like, how, how can you believe that there's a God? Like, there, there's just this disconnect when people realize, oh, this guy's talking like he believes the Bible because it seems
0: so fairy taleish.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
0: What's interesting is a caricature there because I do think when I hear people, not everyone, but. Well, I would say most people, if you don't have a robust understanding of Christianity, it just does seem like all oh, these people that believe in fairy tales—they're not—they don't use their minds, they don't brand, they don't use their brains. They mm-hmm. just, you know, just believing things that are made up that make no sense. Where to me, it's like logically rock solid, coherent. Mm-hmm. I've read philosophy. I've mm-hmm. read the Big Giant. You know, like yeah, like you're telling me Jonathan Edwards and Saint Augustine and Poythress are dumb. Yeah, they're not right, dumb, right?
1: Yeah, and what what I have seen is when I have had you know conversations um, with people specifically uh, you know, about hey I'm let's talk I'm going to present to you what the gospel is what the Christian mes- message is here it is the times that I've, I've had the opportunity to do that it seems to me that people take confidence particularly you know these are these are fellow PhD students or college students they take a lot of confidence in their current knowledge and, and just there's no way what you're telling me could be true because it would conflict with all this knowledge that I have. And so there's just, I, well, I yeah, like there's so much pride. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that it, you know, knowledge puffs up, right? They, they mm-hmm. just have this air of <laughs> like, you have no idea, little Christian, like is is the, is the feel I get um, as opposed to um, people who I've talked to outside of the university, they seem to be more willing to admit things like, yeah, I, I, God may be real or, you know, I do believe in God, but maybe not the Christian God. It's just, I just don't want to change my life. Like I just don't want to give up X, Y, and Z. And so there seems to be a reluctance to accept and realize and see the reality of Mm. sin and um, and the need for salvation the need to be saved uh, from the punishment for your sin from the corruption in your heart like they they just don't see that as a reality um as much as people who maybe don't have have as much intellectual knowledge um do so that's Mm -hmm. a big generalization yeah, but that is the one thing. It's that's the one thing that I've gotten when I do talk to people in the university.
0: Well, it's a stumbling block, right? Mm-hmm. They seek wisdom. Um, well, you must be born again. That means everything. I mean, imagine how hard. I mean, we know we've we've been transformed. Like it's not just a hey. Here's everything you know about reality. Now add Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's you talk about changing your axioms. But their axioms are at the bottom for mm-hmm. a reason. Mm-hmm. And what would the amount the amount of trauma it, that would n- be needed and be experienced to change that? Yeah, mm-hmm. and and we know that's what. I mean, nobody's very few people's, you know, testimony is. Well, even C.S. Lewis's, it was a it was a uh, a intellectual trauma, right? He came really to faith through study and thought. It wasn't like you know. He was on drugs and cried out to God, but it was was through the intellect and the heart, obviously, but, but anyway, it's still traumatic. Like you have to, it has to be traumatic. Mm -hmm. So of course there's this resistance. You're not just saying, Hey, I like this restaurant down the street. You're saying everything you thought about reality is false. Mm. Ultimately, there's some things, some tertiary Mm. things that are true. Like,
1: you know, right by common grace that we, you know,
0: yeah. Mm. It's like the matrix. I was, uh, I got a, a a buddy I talked to who's not a believer, and um, we're gonna hang out this week. And I realized that—I mean, I should have known this, but it just became very clear to me that he's just—he's examining Christianity as whether or not it can help fit his system. So his system for like how civilizations and nations can best thrive in the world. And it's like, well, I don't know if Christianity is helpful for that. And I, it really struck me like no 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 I'm telling you you're in the matrix and you're sitting at a table talking with someone about right. you know you got all these people arguing about stuff like uh, what I'm saying is so other level that mm-hmm. it's matrix mm-hmm. it's like hey you this is all lies right 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 this is all it's all a scheme and
1: who's gonna believe that right and that and, and, and viewing it that way changes the way that you know I think you, you talk to him because you have to you have to Explain like, hey, no, no, you're not in a position to judge God's truth. Like, you're not over and above saying, hmm, "I'm going to select which, which philosophy, which religion." It's no, 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 you. We're asking you to. You don't have that right. You don't have that ability to judge rightly which philosophy fits in. You know, you need to come up under. Right. The, yeah, because you're blind. Right. Like it's 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 just totally different. You, we don't want to. Um, give people the—I uh, don't want to say the yeah—the—the—the—the the, the, the idea that they can come along and judge God. Yeah,
0: you know. And it makes me think of how we often preach the gospel. Then, like it, because people will receive it. This it's the prosperity gospel, which is you already have assumptions about what you desire, and you're really evaluating God onto whether or not He can help you get those things. Mm-hmm. So you want a wife. You wanna not be sad, you want a career, you want your country to prosper, all these things. Is God, so that's the objective now, is God a helpful tool to, is Christianity a tool that can advance that? Versus, mm-hmm. you you need rescued. Mm-hmm. Like you're in big danger. Like you literally are blind to reality, you're plugged in to the demonic world. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, right? The agents are, are the sons of God and i'm not here to help you find a different job in the matrix mm-hmm. i'm here to get you out of the matrix right, right? and then go back in you know so yeah, i've just been watching that with my kids and so yeah what are we offering people what is the truth there mm-hmm. so yeah so that's a very big barrier who right. would believe it right mm-hmm. and morpheus says to neo in that in that movie he says the matrix cannot be explained you have to see it for yourself when that's being born again, right? Like he could, no matter what Norpheus said to him, he would always have doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, he took, he took the pill and got out and then he was like, uh, like open his eyes, right? And uh, so yeah, the intellect is one of those barriers for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one other direction I want to go with you real quick. Do you have uh, some things there on your computer that? Uh, no. Um, I mean, just some Did you just type out reminders to be nice is that what it says
1: yeah yeah just be, <laughs> nice to be no i mean you don't know, swear i have some I have some, <laughs> I have some we already talked about with you know axioms mm. um and how those kind of were just examples of things that i've learned about uh, reality about logic about conversation that math has helped me to see but mm-hmm. um like one of them is uh, recently, here's a really recent example for me. I'm trying to prove something in research. Like, there's a mathematical thing that I th- that, we, that I think is true, that other researchers have said, yeah, we conjecture that this is this is probably true, and I've been trying to, to prove it, and for months now, and I have made many mistakes along the way because I already have my conclusion in mind, mm. and so mm. I, just and just the just. uh Few days ago, I met with my advisor, and um, I showed her a counterexample that just blows the whole thing up. That's just like, look, here's a specific example that makes all that conjecture about that truth. It's not true. And so, um, as I thought about that, it was just, you know, uh, a lesson of if you have your conclusion already in mind, it's it's it can be very hard to see error in your logic or. It's hard to see your own bad argumentation yeah and so that's not really a statement about god per se but just of learning you know where people are at where i'm at when we're having conversations about whatever it might be it can be very difficult to see uh to, to not already have a conclusion in mind and
0: well it does relate to god that's uh how impulse. we suppress the truth because we desire something You know, Jesus says, if anyone is willing to do the will of my Father, he will know if the words I'm saying is true. You know, if you don't, right? You, you just Mm -hmm. I don't want Mm -hmm. there to be a God. I don't want, so therefore, I already have my conclusion, and now I'm predisposed to reject evidence as it comes, Mm -hmm. even though it's written all over. And God says, there's so much of it that you're without excuse, Mm. right? So, yeah, that's part of Uh fallen nature and justification suppressing truth confirmation bias all that stuff. Right. Which which everyone will admit they do that. They not always see when they do it, but they will say, "Oh, of course humans do that. And, yeah, I'm sure I do." Right. You know, I just go, "Okay, then it's very it's a very simple next step to assume that you might be doing that with God." Mm-hmm. You know, the thing mm-hmm. that matters the most, right, might have some confirmation bias in there. Right. You know, it doesn't prove my point mm-hmm. of God is if Jesus is God, but it at least should make you go, huh, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah, I do this in my life, I rationalize, I justify, maybe I'm doing, if I do it horizontally, maybe I'm doing it vertically.
1: Right. Yeah. So I would like to say math has taught me to develop the skill of not drawing my conclusion Mm. before I have really tried to uh, really looked at the data, looked at my argumentation, make sure everything's...
0: Logical, consistent. Why did you want the one conclusion?
1: Uh, In my research, in that example, because we, there were, first of all, it was an easy answer um, in the sense that we had proved under certain assumptions you get that answer. And so we wanted to generalize it, take all those assumptions away, see if we can prove that that's true in a general situation. And so it was a nice and neat little package uh, answer. And it would have been, it would have made, well, I'll say it this way. I'm trying to answer a question about the structure of this mathematical object. All right. And we could be done with this. We could be done, we could find the answer if that was the answer. Okay. But if that answer is not true, Mm. then this is going to take a lot more time a lot more effort a lot more examples it's just gonna prolong the process of trying to find an answer for what this thing really is mm-hmm. and so I mean I guess it say it's just easier if that answer was true yeah we cut our work short yeah. And,
0: yeah yeah well so it wasn't true and you've got your work
1: cut out for you yeah I mean it's kind of exciting that we have an answer because before it was like we think it's true maybe it is maybe it isn't now we know it's not true we know definitively that is not true yeah
0: that's good. <clears throat> I, You one time uh, shared with me this uh, mathematical fact. I guess I'll call it that. And I've mm-hmm. looked on YouTube and watched videos, and I don't understand it. But it's the uh, 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4. So if you take 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 on mm-hmm. into infinity, right? what's the answer? Yeah. And your mind goes toward... I mean, my, the simplest thing I can come up with is infinity, right. some kind of infinity. Right. It's just bigger. It goes in the positive direction and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger until what's the biggest thing I can think of? Infinity. That's the logic. Right. And you said there's parts of math that are really logical in that way. And then there's other parts that are seemingly not. So the answer is what is the answer, Nick Camacho? Uh,
1: I, I want to caveat it, but okay. I'll just say caveat. the answer is negative 112. Negative one twelfth. Okay, so first I'm glad all, I asked you because I was going to say negative four twelfths. So, the, so first of all, it's negative. It's negative. Second of all, it's a fraction. It's small, yeah. Right. Um, What's it, the caveat? The caveats are: it really depends how you define. What does it mean? How do you define adding infinitely many things? And so we know how to define finitely many things. Even if you, even if you, if you add a thousand numbers, a million numbers, a billion numbers. A billion numbers
0: It's finite. It's
1: it's a finite number of numbers that you're adding and everyone's okay with that. So what does it mean to add things infinitely, infinitely many times? Okay. One of the definitions, one of the definitions is you
0: start by, this is riveting stuff people. This is why you tuned in. No, it is.
1: I mean, let's go. One of the, one of the ways is you add the partial sums. So for example, if you did, so. What do we mean by partial sums? I mean, if you're doing, so,
0: here, so here's, here's hey, a, we didn't establish our axioms.
1: Yeah. No, right. Okay. Number one, I'm here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can hear you when I you exist. talk.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're adding up one plus two plus three plus four plus five and so on, and so you say, okay, well, what is one? Uh, just just add the first two. One plus two. Okay, that's three. Yeah. Okay. Now let's do one plus two plus three. Uh, one plus two plus three. Okay, that's six. So you have three, and now six. Okay. And so then you you try to say okay you have three, six, and then now you do one plus two plus three plus four, and you get get another one, right? All right. And so you you the answer is what do those numbers three, six, ten, and so on? What do they? Do why would you do the to? math that way? Oh, like you break it up. You say okay, let's okay. do the first two terms. One plus two is three. Like, All right. Do, do the first three. But terms. But why did you one make that decision? Two. That is, uh, that's why instead question. of just.
0: Good question. One plus two is three, plus, you know, there's you right. decided on a different method. You you,
1: you, you you add up the first two, the first three, the first four, the first five, and you look at the results. You look at those answers and say, what are those numbers getting closer and closer and closer to? Infinity. Exactly. And so that's why- It's the same answer the, in my head. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is the-, the I would agree that it, the answer is infinity. Oh. But if you make different- But if you make different assumptions- uh, which I don't want to, I don't want to get into. So, but so when you, if you make different assumptions on how to add up infinitely many things and whatever you're applying it, uh, using it, whatever you're applying that to, you can make those different assumptions. Uh, you get negative negative one twelve. I mean, this is in, so you don't think that's textbooks. You, okay.
0: But you don't think that's faulty math. You don't think that, Oh, I see what they did there, but they did something funny. They
1: shouldn't have done. Yeah. Or do you do think so? Yeah. So, in, in, I think that it, in pure math, that sum isn't, is, is infinite. It is, it's undefined. Oh, no. It's so I was right. I knew that. I mean, it is, yeah. Dang. I, I I'm at least as smart as I you. I don't fully understand all the reasons that people have, I mean, I've seen proofs for it.
0: But I don't understand them. That's, you can go on YouTube and watch a proof. And I'm like, right. I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Like, yeah.
1: I've seen, I've seen those YouTube videos and I've, I don't – it seems funky to me. There, There's there's a few steps. People have taught – you know, you can look at the counter arguments on YouTube. Here's why it's not, negative 112. And it seems funky to me. But when I teach a calculus class, we do, we, we talk about infinite sums, and people – we can compute these things. And if that sum came up, the answer is it's infinite, it's undefined mm. for me.
0: Yeah. But – for me, so now math is subjective. We went from it being the thing, the rock stuff, but there's all these assumptions in how we define words. and the,
1: Absolutely, there's even this... Uh, and yet we can still build rockets. Yep, yep. You're
0: going to have the right assumptions.
1: There's There are different... We I, I, got, uh, I was in a class a couple years ago where we had to go back to what our axioms were. And it was like, here's the list of 20 axioms. And because we needed to include... This gets real hairy. If you heard of like, uh, um, what's his name? Russell. uh, Can't think of his name. Schmidt? Uh, No. Allen. Bernard. Bernard. uh,
0: Bertrand Russell. That that guy. I don't know Um, who it is, but that name just popped in my head. Yep.
1: He. uh, There's Russell's paradox, and so basically, we needed to redo our axioms. There's the Zermelo. Frankel axioms, and then there's the godel Bernays axioms. These are named after mathematicians. And, and you need to add to your axioms in order, in order to avoid paradoxes and contradictions. And so, we, anyways, we, we had to go through those things because there was, you know, we talk about like a set of objects. A set might contain uh, one, the numbers one, two, and three, and then another set might contain, you know, star, circle, square, whatever. Just different sets. And we needed to avoid the paradox of the set of all sets, so think of a set of objects <laughs> what you talking about the set of all sets. okay s- yeah. so so is so how's that a paradox because cuz is that set the set of a all set? sets it would it would it's a oh, set oh <laughs> <laughs> it have to be holy in crap there. and so you so we, oh. so literally what it comes down to is we just change the language to say the set of all sets doesn't exist there's no such thing because there would be a paradox of all well, that set would be in in itself but then that would be in the, so yeah. to avoid that we just say it's a class Mm. It's a class of all sets. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you have to change around your axioms and, and it gets super technical. And, uh, but, but the, the thing of it is, is that you're right. We do have to continually revisit our axioms and see if they're really matching with what we're finding in the real world. Like, do, are, are they really, ma- are, do our axioms really match s- things that we would consider self-evident? Um, and so.
0: Yeah. Right. That's good. Um, that's yes, yeah, I would enjoy that kind of thinking. Um, speaking of, do you get to talk about this stuff outside? Of, so you've got that little world you go into, and then you know we're doing this. But like, how often do you get to like? Do you get to share that delight with others? Like, do you talk about this with Brooke, with your wife, or as is she much, like get much, out of my face as dude, much like, as I
1: can? And she she indulges me. She just says, like, <laughs> well, I have to tell you about this, and it'll it'll even be on my research. I'm like, okay, here's here's what we've been doing. And I'll try to really just like, don't think just it's this object with this one. And I'll try to go through the whole thing. And I was like, and it turns out that this isn't true or that this is, this is the way it works. And isn't that great? And she's like, yeah, it's great, babe. Uh, but that's, that's the most I can do. Um, but no, the answer to I'm sure there's is a
0: lot of jobs so like that. Don't we think of guys like engineers mm-hmm. and I come, yep. Hey babe, here's what we, here's the little thing, you know, this one part of this airplane that I've been coding for and here's what happened at work and she's like, it's just hard to connect.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's I think that's one of the things that uh that frustrates me is that this isn't to, you know, elevate myself, but it's that if you don't know the language of what we're talking about, it's you we can't communicate. And some of some of the words that I use in my Mm -hmm. thesis or some of the symbols and how they interact, you literally need two to three years of 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 training and education to understand what those symbols represent what they mean and, and that's how people feel when they show is. up
0: at church No literally like yeah. we they show up and we are we're singing teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above praise the mount I'm fixed upon it mount of thy redeeming love and right. they're like what Yep I literally just sat with yep. my kids and taught through that hymn and they, don't, they didn't know what any of it meant. I'm right. like, they've been singing it for years. i are like, well, mm-hmm. maybe they should know what it means. Yeah. And now they're like, oh. <laughs> yep. But yeah, that's you know that's a it's language. That's a feature of language yeah. and us having different... But but you're pretty niche. We have a lot of shared language. We right. have shared language of entertainment and sports right. and food and right. television and news and politics to some extent. But you're right. really niche in a, even, in a...
1: Yeah, exactly. And even with other mathematicians and other PhD students... We get so exactly like said niche and so specific that we can't sometimes we can talk to each other in generalities because we have some common language, um, but then it's like, well, I'm not really doing that. It's even more specific than that, and it's hard to communicate communicate across different disciplines, even within pure math. Wow! Because it's just you got to know about that particular yeah field, that particular subtopic.
0: You got to come up for some air, man. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um yeah, that's good. We don't have a lot of time. I wanted to get into the university system as a whole, but maybe we'll do that another time because we're already over an hour. Um and maybe probably best anyway. <laughs> um so when you are done thinking and you just want to uh, just mm-hmm. be, where do you go? What do you mean? I don't mean in a you know, like in a bad way or anything. No, just no, like sure, you yeah. want to rest. Like you watch yeah, yeah. stuff. Do you play do you just wanna go for a run? Do you wanna watch a show? No, do you play a video game? Do you yeah, like yeah. you know I, just like turn that freaking thing off? I'd love to be a fly on the wall in one of those rooms though someday and just like watch you guys go, like Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably for about four minutes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I so I personally I like video games. Yeah. So that is you'll catch me either playing a video game reading a book. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, lately, it's really been reading books. I haven't really touched the, the game thing that Xbox in, in a while, just because I, when I do say, okay, my laptop's closed for the day, my pencil's down, I'm not doing any more math. I want to go read, um, various books, theological books. And even though it can be equally, uh, rigorous and scholarly and technical, I, I just, I still, I enjoy that. Yeah. Um,
0: It's good. Just as much, you know. That's great. What are you reading right now?
1: Right now, I'm reading a, the first of four, soon to be five, volumes on church history.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. We've talked about that. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm reading that. um, I'm always reading like three books at a time. I'm reading this other book on informal logical fallacies Mm. by, so, so things that are like, they're not, they're not, well, formal fallacies, you know, you, you can't engage in contradiction, right? That's, you can't say something is true and then simultaneously it's not true. Um, but these are informal. These are, you know, fallacies when you're arguing are fallacies of distraction. Like you, mm. you attack the person instead of the argument. Right. So that's, a, that's an example. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm reading a book about, you know, listing all those and explaining them and giving examples. It's
0: and- rampant. That stuff is everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I and and what's really neat is at the end of every chapter there's exercises. Like here's the situation, which logical fallacy is being mm. and it's and it's it's actually more difficult even though you know what the fallacy sure. is. It's it, I find myself uh, sometimes I'm like, man, I have no idea what this is, which one this is, and, and as soon as I hear the answer, I'm like, oh, of course, it's yeah. what they're doing. It's clear. So, but it's hard to see. Growing in that skill it seems
0: like it would be. uh Beneficial, but also potentially uh, make you the annoying guy in the room.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, just ask my wife. Wife. No, seriously, seriously. I mean this in all sincerity. Ask my wife, and ask any person who has led me, like as a group leader or elder or pastor um, in previous churches. I am. I think all this math and all this logic stuff and has really at its at at its worst has made me extremely critical. Mm. Because I want to say, no, 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 you use that word here differently than you used it here. That's inconsistent. Yeah. Um, or just in, in various ways. Yeah, it's a fun guy. And so, yeah. And so, at its worst, I'm just beating people over the head with, like, uh, mm. ignoring what, like, so, so I'll just use my wife. The spirit as, as of what as they're saying, like, yeah. like, no, no, my wife will say to me, she's like, you know what I mean? And I do, but I want to pick out, no, 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 but she said, that, you know. Um, so that's that's one way, um, at its worst. But at its best, it, it allows me to see... That, that critical nature allows me to see potential problems, it allows me to um, argue better, and and I don't mean argue in, in, a, in a divisive kind of way, but argue in terms of where do I, uh, I want to see consistency. Yeah, and, and so you, can help you build a coherent out, view of God. Even Correct. Yeah. I can call out inconsistencies and in different things, um, and so whether I'm good or bad at that uh, is to be determined, I guess, but... Uh, yeah, so that's I think one of the main ways that this is all math and thinking through all these things has really affected me is uh, just creating a very critical critical nature. Mm. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't have to be around it much. Mm-hmm. So, plus you you pretend with me, you'd be nice still. Mm.
1: Just you wait till we turn off this camera.
0: <laughs> that's right. I keep them rolling, dude.
1: I take some notes on some of <laughs> the things you said.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry for all the logical inconsistencies. So,
1: yeah, I know the, the big, the big, uh, consistency is my big thing. Like, you need, we need to be consistent when we're analyzing this, this, and this, be consistent. And I think the irony of my life, probably the irony of this podcast, will be, uh, I was just inconsistent in a big way on something I said, or like, you use this argument to say this, but now you use this argument to say that. And so, I think that's what's going to end up happening. Yeah. I, har- I harp on everyone else and, and sometimes myself about you need to be consistent, be consistent, be consistent. And then at the end of my life, someone's going to say, "Like, look, look at this big inconsistency."
0: Well, yeah, like you say, you love God and then you sin. How about that one? But that's not a logical inconsistency. No, no, no. no. So yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah. about different things. But no, no, no. Yeah. Um, good. All right, Camacho. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks to all you for tuning in, and uh, yeah, we'll sign off. See you guys around. See you.